0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joey Christopoulos. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.ag. The NFL season, it's in the final leg. And look, you couldn't be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Online. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there is always that online casino as well. It never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining the pod today. It's Bears-Texans coming up week 14 the wheels are falling off the Chicago Bears season, but I would love to bring in the Chicago Bears expert. He is a wonderful, wonderful website called Dub Bears Blog. This is Jeff Hughes. Jeff, how are you doing today? Thank you for joining the pod. I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. My pleasure. I want to dive into the last couple of posts that you've had. And if anyone has not gotten a chance to check out the Bears blog, I highly recommend it. Not only is it just bringing you up to date analysis and information about what's going on with the Bears right now, but it kind of takes a little bit of an outside the box approach. And as of right now, this Chicago Bears franchise looks like it's going to be heading towards a season of change. I want to go back to a post that you put up just a couple of days ago, and you basically called it the three different doors that the Chicago Bears franchise could be opening heading into this offseason. The first door is Nagy and Ryan Pace have one year left on their contract. Bring them back for one more year, see if they can get it done and, and you know through the end of their contract. The second one is a version of one or two of them come back where Ryan Pace comes back, Matt Nagy gets fired, or Matt Nagy, because he has an above 500 record, comes back. Ryan Pace does not. Or the third one, get rid of both of them, start over, clean house, see what you can do with your cap. Jeff, it was a wonderful article. In your opinion right now, you laid out the facts, but in your opinion, where are you leaning? Where do you think the Bears should go?
0: Well, for me, and it ties into something I wrote about today, this franchise can't hit the restart button. This franchise can't start looking into the future until they, for the first time in maybe in their history, solidify the quarterback position. And they are going to be in a position this draft. They're not going to be any deeper in the draft than 15, probably closer to 10. If they want to go get a quarterback this draft, they can go do it. And if you're going to do that, you have to draw the steps backwards. Number one, Ryan Pace can't be the guy who makes that choice. His evaluative work with Mitch Trubisky is what will keep him from ever being a GM again. He passed on two what are going to be legends to put Mitch Trubisky in a Bears uniform. So he's out. Then that brings up Nagy. And if you want to put Nagy in charge of a new quarterback's development with a new GM, what happens if they lose 10 games next year, which they're probably going to do because the rookie quarterbacks they're looking at are probably not going to start next year. So are you going to replace Nagy then after next year and have a second offense brought in for this quarterback? For me, it all comes down to the quarterback, and that means cleaning house and starting over again.
1: And is it fair to say because as we're learning right now, when you miss on a pick like Mitch Trubisky at number two, it isn't just a pick that hurts you for one year. It hurts you for four years. And now the, in the Bears situation, it could be hurting them for the next six to seven years. So you're right. If you were to give Matt Nagy a chance to put his hands on whatever new quarterback they were going to bring in next year via the draft, maybe even from trade, you really are committing to Matt Nagy for the next four or five years. And that's the decision the Bears franchise has to make.
0: And, and it's just never worked. I mean, if you look historically, when you whiff on the top five quarterback, the people who do that and are in charge of the team do not survive. And this setup of bring in a new GM, have him keep a coach for a year, and then decide whether to keep that coach, that almost never works. The Bears have tried it twice in the last decade. Jerry Angelo was asked uh, when he came in to keep Dick Duron. He wanted to fire Dick Duron. But the 2001 Bears went crazy, won a bunch of games in overtime, and he had to keep Dick Jerron two years longer than he wanted to. Phil Emery, uh, when he came in, was told to keep Lovey Smith. He fired Lovey Smith off a 10-win season, which didn't make any sense at the time. Uh, And then Ryan Pace was brought in and sort of uh, handcuffed to John Fox. The idea here is for the Bears, you've got to bring in organizational stability, whether that's a team president, president of football ops, GM. Let that guy make the decision. But by no means can you say to that, that GM, you're forced to keep this coach because it, it does not work historically, and it will not work here.
1: And speaking to that stability, your post today really crystallizes that for Bears fans out there. The post of just who's been to the playoffs. Let's look at from 2010 on, and let's just see which teams are going to the playoffs. You know, Winning the Super Bowl, as you mentioned in your article, it's very hard to do, and all the pieces have to fall into place. Heck, even Bears fans in 2018 might have began to have those fantasies about a team that could have been capable of going to a Super Bowl if it wasn't for a double-doink from their kicker. But as you mentioned, you know, looking at this list, I'm just kind of kind of rip through it real quick. You know, The Patriots have been to the playoffs every single year. Seahawks and Packers eight times, Chiefs seven times, Ravens, Steelers, Texans, Saints six times. And then it gets a little wonky. If you go down the list far enough, the Bears are only on there twice. Above them, the Lions three times, Cowboys three times. Even the Bengals have been to the playoffs five times. And you really start to ask yourself, you know, we've had in the last 10 years, what, three seasons of eight and eight. We've had a 10-win season, an 11-win season, and a 12-win season, the 12 coming in 2018, you know, the 11 coming in 2010, and then the 10 the year that Lovey Smith got fired. So even when we are having those types of seasons, things are still going wrong. After the 11, Jay Cutler and his knee. You know, does he have the guts after the 10-win season? Lovey gets fired. After the 12, we've seen the regression. And this seems to be just to be speaking to that instability that you're talking about.
0: Well, the one thing that became very crystallized to me looking at those numbers is just look at the teams that have won Super Bowls and look at the teams that have gone to Super Bowls. And only two teams in the decade of the 2010s, two teams made it to a Super Bowl who did not appear in the playoffs four or more times. That is a crazy statistic. And if you look at those numbers, it's even more skewed because the Giants were at the back end of a run with Coughlin and Eli. And they had been to the playoffs six times in the years previous. And the Rams, who are the other team, are sort of at the front end of a run. They're just beginning their charge. It, it, it's crystallized to me. If you want to win a Super Bowl, if you want to go to the Super Bowl, the way to do that is you've got to be in the postseason every year or as many years as possible you've got to keep giving yourself a shot in the tournament and when you look at those those numbers and this was also crystallized there are 19 teams in this league who have been to the playoffs three times or less in the in that decade and only one of them that's the lions had a stable quarterback position it's about the quarterback the quarterback cleans up other errors. The quarterback makes other people better. You could have a bad offensive line if your quarterback is great. You could have a shaky run game if your quarterback is great. If your defense is is allowing 24, 27 a game, your quarterback can make up for it. He is the most important position in sports. The Bears have consistently got it wrong. And until they get it right, they will be relegated to what they were in 2018. That would have been a one-off. They could have won the Super Bowl that year. There's no doubt about it. It would have been very much like Doug Peterson's Eagles Super Bowl. And they've been pretty terrible since. You can you can have that one-off run, but you can't consistently be there without a quarterback. And that's now – the data is just there. It's proven.
1: Yeah, the quarterback is the baseline. And isn't it funny? The sliding doors moment of Mitch Trubisky actually leads the Bears back down the field after Nick Foles puts the Eagles ahead – And if they just made that field goal, who knows what would have happened to Mitch Trubisky's career. Who knows how much money he'd be under, you know, the long-term contract. At least we could say right now that we don't have money tied up to Trubisky moving forward. We can at least cut bait, unlike other teams like Carson Wentz, maybe even Jared Goff somewhere down the future, where they're they're hamstrung by this contract that they have now.
0: Think about how Mitch Trubisky would have been looked at differently if, if Parkey makes that kick. What he did at the end of that game, I was in the building. What he did at the end of that game was spectacular. He made throw after throw. And if you remember at the end of that game, they had a touchdown pass lined up. Trubisky missed him. They threw the ball on a late down once they got into Eagle territory because Maggie did not want Cody Parkey to have to win that game for him. So they tried to throw the touchdown pass, and they were close to hitting it. If they win that game, I truly believe Trubisky's career could have been different, but it wasn't. They lost the game. And now they're back in purgatory. And that's that's what this is. I called it no man's land uh, in the piece two days ago. When you're in no man's land, you're not good. You're not bad. You're irrelevant.
1: Because the teams that are relevant have quarterbacks. And if you want something to really shock you since 2011, the Jaguars and the Jets have won more playoff games than the Chicago Bears. And I think that should be scary enough for Bears fans to think that change is probably coming. I do want to ask you this question. And Ryan Pace, as you mentioned, the epitaph in his career will always be Mitch Trubisky. Would you say, you know, what is, what is your opinion on Ryan Pace? If you were able to remove the quarterback, which is very hard to do because that's the rock and the hard place and probably the reason why he's going to get fired. Do you believe that Ryan Pace's moves and the way that he's constructed this defense, the way that he's drafted in general has been a success minus Trubisky? Or do you find it's more mixed results?
0: Definitely mixed results. The defense is terrific. He built a terrific defense. Uh, I don't know what's happening here the last few weeks. I think it's more of a a team that's just in general free fall. But uh, you can't be the general manager of an NFL franchise for six years and get progressively worse on offense seemingly every year, especially when it comes to bringing an offensive head coach. And I would ask you this. Is there a single player on this Bears offense who is top five at their position in the league you don't have to think about it. There's nobody close. Maybe Alan Robinson cracks the top 10 if you get very conservative with who you're putting in the top 10. There's nobody on this offense who's among the league's best. And you can't, in this NFL, That's all about scoring points. It's all about getting to the 30s and beating people up. You can't build an offense this bad and expect to win. And so he's been terrible on one side of the ball. He's been very good on the other side of the ball. But, no, I I think his his tenure here will be an unabashed failure because this needed to be a modern franchise. He came from New Orleans. He was brought here because of Drew Drew Brees and the prolific offenses of Sean Payton. He was brought here to build that. And instead, he did what every Bears GM does. He built a really good defense, and he couldn't put together a team that could
1: score points. How would you characterize – Ryan Pace has gone about building the offensive line over the past couple of years because you just mentioned the Saints and the Saints in the past have always kind of been lauded and complimented for the way they've been able to find offensive line pieces without necessarily using high draft picks they have done that a couple of times but they also have found some guys further down the trough you know how would you characterize Ryan Pace's you know I I would just say neglect of this offensive line over the past few years you know just drafting second round picks and you know signing long-term deals with guys that are sixth, seventh-round picks. I mean, you know, is arrogance a fair way to say the way that he's neglected the offensive line? I wouldn't say arrogance. It's more complacency. This is
0: a general manager who thinks Charles Leno is good enough, who thinks Bobby Massey is good enough, who, you know, Cody Whitehair is a good player. He's not a great player. James Daniels could potentially be a great player. He's not a great player yet. And this general manager has, has settled for what has been on this offensive line They knew they had offensive line problems last year. What did they do? They went and got Jermaine Effetti. Did they actually believe Jermaine Effetti was going to be the thing that put this offensive line over the the line? Well, of course it wasn't going to be. But he seems to have a belief that he can piece together his offensive line and then still achieve what they want on offense. And this offseason in particular, it seemed to me to be almost a, a, a felony approach. It was malpractice because you knew. You weren't going to have a great quarterback this year. You knew, best case scenario for this quarterback, you should have been trying to give him as much time as humanly possible. This was doomed to failure from the word go. And so, yeah, I think he's been complacent. But I think that's been across the offense for Ryan Pace. I think he constantly says, this guy is good enough. I don't need to replace him. And the great organizations see a good right tackle and say, let's go get better. Our guards good. We can get a great one. They look to improve everywhere and pace hasn't done it.
1: And it's so interesting that you see time and time again, you know, the Rams, they went out and paid Whitworth, Andrew Whitworth. You can even go back to what 2004, 2005 when the bears gave a bunch of money to John Tate and all of a sudden that offensive line could, you know, completely changed and they were able to get Thomas Jones and that running game going. So time and time again, eventually you do have to go out there and you have to pay for offensive linemen. And it just seems something that we've been allergic to. I mean, we're more than happy to give Robert Quinn a whole bunch of money. And it's almost like we have a house with all these beautiful paintings and he's got his entertainment center all redone and figured out, but he hasn't fixed the roof. So he, the
0: Robert the Robert Quinn contract is the perfect is the perfect encapsulation of the Ryan Pace era as a general manager. There was take that money that is being spent, a fortune he is giving Robert Quinn, spread that money across the offense this year, and you're telling me they couldn't have found two or three valuable pieces that could help them right now with that money? But no, I I think Ryan Pace's approach to 2020 was, we're going to be the best defense in football. That was his approach. If I put Quinn opposite Mac, nobody can beat us. And it just didn't turn out that way. The pass rush has not been as good as advertised. The running game has truly suffered without Eddie Goldman and Akeem Hicks being in and out of the lineup. They have not been as good as they were expected to be, and there's the flaw in the logic. Because if you're a top 10 defense or a top 12 defense, that's not good enough with this offense. And that's building a team for 1974. That's not building a team for 2020. Building a defense that you need to hold people to 13 points to win is not the modern game. Could you imagine – this team making a miraculous run to a Super Bowl and facing Kansas City, and get their doors blown off because you can only hold them down so long. It's the frustrating thing about this franchise is that, and the fans are part of this. I get the emails all the time. It's about running the ball and stopping the run. And oh. It's just not. It's just yeah. not anymore. And it hasn't been for a long time. This franchise operates like it's the 60s. And until they modernize their way of thinking, they are going to keep being in sort of the bottom tier of the league.
1: And to be fair, the fan base is a bit complicit and enables that behavior. You just mentioned it. You know, just give me give me defense and let's get off the bus running the football and let me just make fun of the quarterback for the, re- for the end of our days. It doesn't yes. always have to it's be crazy. like this. Yeah, and it just keeps happening. And I think the Bears organization feels like that this is what Bears fans want, so they're totally fine doing it. Let me ask you this, and maybe this can help illustrate the disconnect between Ryan Pace and Matt Nagy. I'm not asking you – what Matt Nagy's identity is on offense, because honestly, we really don't know it. But in his heart of hearts, in his dream of dreams, when he goes to sleep at night and puts his head on a pillow, what kind of offense and what kind of play caller do you think he wishes that, Matt, he could be? I think he
0: wants to run something similar to what Andy Reid runs. I think he wants a quarterback who can process things very quickly at the line of scrimmage, get the ball into the hands of playmakers, and move the ball down the field. The problem is... He doesn't have the components to do that. Tariq Cohen was a huge part of what Matt Nagy wanted to do. It's clear that they have fallen off the cliff offensively since Tariq went out. They have tried to use Cordarrelle Patterson in, in, that, in that realm, and it hasn't worked out. He was good against the Lions this week, but it just hasn't worked out. Darnell Mooney is a perfect case of a, of a guy who fits that Chiefs, Eagles, uh, Matt Nagy style. I think he wants to run the kind of offense where the quarterback sees what the defense has, Processes it, gets the ball in the hands of the playmaker. Problem is the quarterback, this quarterback can't do that. And Nick Foles was just playing terribly. That those are the two things. Matt Nagy's trying to run an offense that he cannot run with the players he currently has. So I do not know how to evaluate him as a play caller. It's not really possible because the players aren't there. And without a quarterback who can execute what he's trying to do, there's no
1: way to know. And personally, This is, I think, was perhaps the most damning thing between Pace and Nagy, where they say that they're in lockstep communication-wise. But in my opinion, the personnel this season heading into the year was more suited to Mitch Trubisky than it was for Nick Foles. We don't necessarily have a bunch of maulers up there on the offensive line. They're going to be able to hold guys back for that 2.53 seconds for Nick Foles to just stand there and deliver passes. So Nick Foles on this team seemed like a bad fit from the beginning. Coupled on top of that, Mitch Trubisky had a short leash because Matt Nagy doesn't trust him. He was ready to pull the plug the minute something went wrong. He did. And then when Foles came in, I mean, unfortunately, the results were a complete disaster because I feel like that the offensive line specifically were supposed to be the athletic guys that can pull, that can do the rollouts, that can you know maybe not buy a ton of time but can do different kinds of things. With Nick Foles in there, they just needed him to do one thing and then all of a sudden the dynamic of the running game went away. It just seems like no one was on the same page with this Nick Foles experiment that ultimately failed.
0: My my issue with the whole Foles experience here was the second they made the trade for Nick Foles, they should have said Nick Foles is our starting
1: quarterback
0: and then made every decision subsequently to build an offense that fits what Nick Foles wants to do, which means commit to the offensive line, commit to the offensive line, commit to the offensive line, build a run game, and build an offense for Nick Foles. Instead, instead, they went on with the charade that Mitch Trubisky was the starting quarterback. And you saw how quickly Matt Nagy had the hook. He, he never wanted to do this. And by not m- making Nick Foles the starting quarterback from day one, Nick Foles got his first first team practice reps in week three, week four. I mean, how do you expect him to be able to transition that quickly? into the starting bowl. he's thrown passes in the season to guys he's never thrown to in practice. And to me, if you were willing to pull Mitch Trubisky uh, at the second half of week three, you were willing to not start him at all. And they should have been committed to whoever the starting quarterback was that should have been Foles day one this year because they knew they were going to go to him at the drop of a hat. So this was, this was, this was mishandled from day one, but it's a track record now quarterback has been mishandled under this general manager since the day he arrived so the question we have to keep asking is are we really willing to let this guy be in charge when we move on to another quarterback I can't imagine they are
1: and it's even more damning than that I mean they were disingenuous you know the conviction the confidence be you and as you're mentioning, and I'm agreeing with you, you know, they never wanted Mitch in there really from the first no. place. He was really just looking for an excuse or maybe a way to sort of maybe possibly salvage Ryan Pace's ego. And if you remember, they wouldn't name the quarterback until Friday before the Lions game. I mean, this, this yeah. came up to the hours, hours before the start. You know, it's just, it's just clear, you know, cardinal rule, uh, NFL fans, know who your quarterback is by week one and then stick with it. Just a little hint, just a tip.
0: You know? And my argument, my argument all summer long was – Isn't it a better spot for Trubisky if he's not the starter on day one? If Foles gets out of the box slow or doesn't play well or gets hurt, now Mitch comes into a scenario where he's given this another chance to sort of salvage his career. Mm -hmm. Bring him – and also, if a team is preparing for Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky shows up, that's an advantage for you because he brings certain skills that Nick doesn't have. Again, this doesn't seem complicated to me. You gave up picks. You paid a bunch of money for Nick Foles. Why on earth are you putting on the show to pretend you believe in Mitch Trubisky when the whole world knows you don't? There were rumors in February you were trying to trade the guy. So this whole idea that you believed in him, we all knew it was nonsense. And because of it, I think it's why we are where we are now. I think nobody's been on the, page, on the same page offensively. And that's why they're the third or fourth worst offense in the league.
1: Yeah, the residue has definitely trickled down. And that's why we're looking at a six game losing streak. And that's why Matt Nagy is coaching for his job this week in week fourteen. Jeff, before we get you out of here, I don't I'm sure there's gonna be some wonderful articles you're gonna be posting on Deber's blog moving forward. So I don't wanna I don't wanna step on your spot a little bit, but are there some some guys out there, coaches, GMs, perhaps maybe someone that can move into the president of operations that you're you know, looking at maybe getting intrigued by the rumors are pretty scarce and pretty, you know, loose and flimsy. Everyone's talking about the John Dorsey combo, possibly with Eric the enemy. You know, can we swallow the pill of taking another Andy Reid disciple, plucking him off the tree and putting him in as the coach of the Chicago Bears? You know, what what are you hearing right now? What are you thinking? What are you leaning towards in terms of replacements?
0: My, my thinking is just put a team in place that is on the same page. Put a group in Plays from team president. I think Ted Phillips will be reassigned in the organization to a sort of CFO role. I think it's to placate fans, honestly, more than anything else. Ted is a brilliant businessman and he is the liaison between a family that doesn't know how to run anything and football. So he'll still be involved, but they will placate people and change his title. Put somebody in charge who is overseeing all of football operations. If that's a veteran GM, terrific. I don't, I don't, I'm not a John Dorsey guy. He leaks like a sieve. So if you could get somebody who's there and commands respect and is overseeing the whole program, terrific. And I would not be opposed if you can go to Stanford and convince David Shaw to leave Stanford. He's got a pro background. He's coached with everybody. He's a tremendous football coach. It could be a Kyle Shanahan scenario there where you bring him in and then build a GM coach relationship with him because David Shaw will be coming for the long haul to build a program. Now, David Shaw has not wanted to leave Stanford. I know the Bears have called in the past. He's the guy that I think is the next home run coach in the NFL, but he loves where he is. He does not seem to want to leave. That's why cash could probably get him out of there. Uh, But we'll see. But I think it all comes down to this idea of, not to belabor the point, you know, the John Fox hire. Was Ryan Pace on board with that? The Mitch Trubisky draft picks. Did John Fox know about that? I'll tell you what, I was leaked that information that morning from somebody in the ownership group. Here is the question I come back to. Why is this group not on the same page? Why is the GM doing one thing and the coach doing another thing and ownership doing something else? There's not a successful franchise in this league that operates that way. And they will not be successful until they stop operating that way.
1: Man, don't tell that to Bruce Arians. You know what I mean? Stuck in a hotel room. Poor bastard. (laughs) You know what I'm saying?
0: Think about about how this franchise changes if Phil Emery brings him in. Because he – the thing about Bruce Arians was he wanted to coach Jay. Is there a more Bruce Arians quarterback than Jay Cutler?
1: Match made I mean, I in heaven. Bruce
0: Arians wants to do; a, he just wants to throw bombs. Yeah. Bruce Arians wants to do nothing but throw bombs. Jay Cutler and him would have been one of the most fun duos we've seen. They might still be operating in Chicago if those two had been paired. It's just been a ton of this for years of mistake after mistake after mistake because we don't have a cohesive football operation. We have a bunch of disparate intentions that we try to weld together and it doesn't work. They've got to get football operations on one page and they have to do it this off season. Let me
1: bounce. uh, Let me bounce an idea off of you because I feel like I'm a a one man Island on this one, but I think it could possibly be intriguing and maybe poke some holes in it. If you don't uh, like what you hear, but you know, everyone keeps saying, you know, you got to go around to the best organizations in football and you got to bend their ear and figure out how they do it, right? Well, if the Bears want to do something that's similar to a Theo Epstein type situation, I know Kevin Colbert, GM of the Steelers right now, has an extension, I think, that's bringing him through 2021. You know, do you like this idea? What would stop the Bears from going, opening up the checkbook and being like, hey, Kevin, we're going to pay you more money and we're going to promote you to become the president of football operations. We're going to let you do whatever you want. Hire your GM, hire your coach, and then you're going to run the show.
0: I think it's a great hire. I think that's, that's the kind of figure you want to be looking at right now when it comes to putting somebody in charge of football. Now, again, look at the Steelers. I, I, I constantly go back to this stuff. The 70s, they had a quarterback. They won a bunch of titles, quarterback and defense. They were, they were dormant in the league throughout the 80s and a lot of the early 90s. Bill no Cowell quarterback. Had a little success. They get the quarterback, and all of a sudden, they're in the playoffs every year. It's. I I think people overcomplicate the whole thing. If if the Seahawks keep Matt Flynn and don't draft Russell Wilson and don't commit to him, they're not in the playoffs eight times in a decade. It's about the quarterback, and I think Kevin Colbert will be someone who fully understands that. And there are a lot of guys who can oversee a football operation, but that's the way the Bears have to go now. The Bears can no longer have this sort of every four years we're scouting around the league for the, whoever the, the hot scout is that we want to make the GM. They need somebody with vision to see the big picture, to see where this thing is going in three years, five years, ten years. And Colbert would be a great hire. I don't know why he would leave Pittsburgh, but he would be a great hire.
1: Money and promotion is the only thing that I'm thinking of. Uh, you know what I mean? We give you a better title and yeah. we give you more money. But, you know, I'm just thinking outside of the, outside of the box here. I mean
0: – And let me just add. Let me add one thing to that. Winning in Chicago is different. They're used to winning in Pittsburgh. Kevin Colbert's not going to have a statue in Pittsburgh anytime soon. But when you win in Chicago, you get steakhouses. Mike Ditka, sorry to birth people's bubble, he wasn't that good of a coach. But he has steakhouses. And he's a celebrity. And nobody on that 85 Bears pays for a thing. And it's because if you win with the Chicago Bears, it is different than almost any other franchise in the league because they are that beloved in the city. If Lovey Smith had won a Super Bowl, Lovie's, uh, Lovie's sandwich joints would be all over Chicago, and he would, you would never pay for a thing. And the league knows this. Uh, everybody I've talked to in the league has told me the same thing. Man, if you win a Super Bowl in Chicago, it is different. It's just different. It's kind of like Dallas because now they haven't won one in 20 years. They're figuring that out. 25 years if you win in Chicago it's different I, look at Theo Epstein won in Boston he was a very big celebrity there but when he won with the Cubs legend man it was a it was a national story it was it's the same thing with the Bears whoever comes and fixes this and wins the quarterback the GM the coach you're 50 years. You get 50 years of celebrity out of it. And I think everybody in the league knows it.
1: Yeah, me and you, we could be one day having lunch at Lovey's, the restaurant, you yeah. know what I mean, oh, if yeah. that had happened. That totally could have happened.
0: Lovey my- <laughs> Seafood Shack in, <laughs> yeah. in Old Town. You, you would be because he would, it's, it's gold for him. I mean, if he wins that Super Bowl, if they win in 06, he's there for another decade at least. Yeah. And then he retires, whatever the hell he feels like it, and then he's opening restaurants because that's what comes with winning with that team in that town.
1: We'll get the uh, cover two taquitos, please, and uh, yeah, also we're yeah. <laughs> Go and my thing with Kevin Colbert is basically I I just feel like you know let's be honest Ben Roethlisberger's 38 years old they probably got a couple more years they got a great shot at winning the Super Bowl this year it might be a perfect time for a gentleman like that to cash in before we get you out of here I, I've really appreciated your time I'm having a wonderful conversation but I do want to ask you who are you leaning at quarterback This is the time of year when Bears fans start kind of cutting the tape and start watching some of these guys. Obviously, it doesn't look like we're going to get a bite at the apple of Trevor Lawrence. Things change in the NFL draft. So, I am going to put Justin Fields into this list, even though I don't think he'll be available. But between him, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, Kyle Trask, you know, who do you got your eye on? Who are you leaning towards? Who would you maybe like to see in a Bears uniform?
0: I'd like to see Zach Wilson in a Bears uniform. Uh, I just think he plays the game the modern style. Now, Trey Lance, Trey Lance has ability. And from what I've seen of him, and I haven't seen a lot. I mean, there's a lot of things to like about him. But how long is that ability going to take to translate to the NFL level? I think at least a season on the bench, maybe even a little bit more. Now, listen, the Bears can afford the time. If they go get Trey Lance, just just write it in. Okay, first year he's on the bench, play Foles for a year, develop him. By year two, he's starting. Let him work through his his problems. But I like Wilson, and I like Trask. Trask plays a little bit of an old-fashioned game. He doesn't move great, but he's he's deadly accurate. So. I wouldn't have a problem with any three or any of those three guys coming in. And I think just for, as a Bears, just keep drafting quarterbacks. You can have all the great middle linebackers you want. We've had many of them until you get that position, right. It doesn't matter.
1: Yeah. I mean, Zach Wilson scared me just a little bit last week with uh, the way that they played, but I do like him a whole lot. Trask, I think is really, really intriguing, but I'm with you a little statuesque back there. And Hey, you know what? I'm, I'm with you. I mean, you need to put, your hands into many different, you know, pots as you possibly can. And I'm not talking about giving Mike Glenn what 18 million guarantee, but I'm saying, I don't no. understand why we weren't in the Jameis Winston business last off no. I'm not why, understand why we're not maybe talking about as long as it's not for maybe, you know, a fourth round pick, but a fifth or sixth rounder for Sam Darnold. If they're willing to have that conversation, we, be, we should be having that conversation. So I just think that they need to get creative and I'm with you. Bring up, bring them all in, bring all the quarterbacks in, let let the cream rise to the top. Because uh, Bears fans deserve it. I personally have never seen a great quarterback in a Bears uniform in my entire life. The, the,
0: the point I made at draft time, is, and I'll make it even more now, why isn't Jalen Hurts starting for the Bears this week? You know, why, why did the Bears not get in the Jalen Hurts business in that draft? He's a second-round pick. It's a perfect thing for the Bears to bring him in in that draft. You will be seeing him on the field this week. And you know what Bears fans will be doing this week? they would be salivating to watch the football game. Because they would say, maybe this is the guy. Maybe this is the guy. And that's what happens around the league when you take the shot on the quarterback. It invigorates your fan base even in a a losing season. So they got to just keep taking shots, take shots, and find the guy. And I truly believe if they change football ops, they will eventually get it right. But they just have shown no desire to do that to this point. I think that changes in a month.
1: Lightning round to get you out of here. Do the Bears beat the Texans in week 14? No. <laughs> I know. I was, I was baiting you. I, I, didn't wanna, I no. don't want to – because we, we haven't talked about the game, but, you know, who cares, all right? right? I mean, who cares? Yeah. Hey, I I'll,
0: said I'll be rooting for him, but I don't care who wins the game. I just – I think there's – listen, Deshaun Watson, no run game, gets stacked all the time, terrible football coach. Doesn't matter. He's going to be productive. The Bears' defense seems to be in half-quit mode. I'll tell you this, if the pass rush is as bad as it was a week ago this week, Deshaun might run for 150 yards. Watch out. So I think Deshaun's going to have a big game. I think the Bears are going to lose. I, I don't, I'm, not even, I'm not even confident it'll be particularly close. So uh, and I think this would be the kind of game that, that sh- strikes the death for the, for the, for the for the leadership because to watch the guy they should have at least interviewed, they should have at least worked out, they should have at least considered to draft, to watch him torch them with a bad team in their own building might be too
1: much. I'll still never forget at a Buffalo Wild Wings draft night, shaking my friend's hands, even after we moved up and being like, Hey, it's Watson. We're going to get our guy. Congratulations. Dude just won a national title. Checks a lot of boxes. Yeah. Maybe his knees are a little bit of a worry, but whatever. This dude's ready to roll. And then just having an exorcist like head spin of a moment when it was Trubisky that we drafted up for. Oh, man, the, the scars, the, the scars it's, that will never go away. It is
0: the moment that will define a generation of Chicago Bears football, and it's sad.
1: Yeah, no kidding, because, you know, yeah, it screws, it screws the franchise up if you get it wrong for five, six, seven years, and we're yep. right in the middle of it. We might only be halfway through right now getting out of that Mitch Trubisky mistake. TheBearsBlog.com. Jeff Hughes, thank you so much for joining. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much, and uh, happy holidays, and maybe somewhere down the line we get to talk again.
0: Love to do it. Thanks, brother.
1: Thank you. Today's episode of Betting Chicago was brought to you by betonline.ag. Make sure you head to betonline.ag for all the wonderful sign-up bonuses this week in week 14 coming up. My name is Joy Christopoulos. More pods coming the rest of this week before the holiday season. Thank you so much for listening. Until then, be well, be safe, be good to each other. We will talk soon.